0: again, very sad, miss you Chucky, but I talked my beautiful wife into coming <laughs> on with me again, so I'd at least have somebody to talk to instead of just talking to myself for a little bit, so we wanted to uh, release something, so um, mm-hmm. I had a couple ideas, so I thought why not, let's, let's get it, and she agreed, because she's so great, how are you doing sweetie? Good, good, yeah really
1: good.
0: Yeah, we had a fun night last night. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, do you want to tell the story? Or should I?
1: You should probably.
0: Okay. We were hanging out. We'd, we'd just done a service project in our neighborhood. And uh, we were over um, in a parking lot behind our church. And there was a little western screech owl that somebody had found that was sitting on the edge. And, and I hadn't seen that species yet, so I was pretty <laughs> pretty excited. So that was a new new species for me and you, right? You haven't seen a Western tree tail, So, um, I was excited to see it. And then it it just kind of sat there. It couldn't fly. And it looked like an adult. It had like all its feathers and everything. And so I'm like, that's not good. So, um, um, these kids were there and they were like petting it with a stick, you know, so they wouldn't get, (laughs) and he was kind of clicking his beak, like clacking his beak. Did you hear him do that? No, it's kind of I an interesting like threat display or something but yeah it's kind of like back off so anyway i uh he ducked under the fence into one of the neighbor's yards and so i went home and i got a rubbermaid container and i went over to the neighbor's and he was in his garage and he's like I'm like, uh, you've got an owl in your backyard. And he's like, no, I've got some chickens, but I don't have any owls. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I saw an owl go into your backyard. I think it's injured. I want to, you know, take it into you know, a rescue. And so he's like, sure. So he went out there and helped me kind of, um, herd it into the Rubbermaid. It kind of flew a little bit like, but it stayed low and it didn't fly very far. And it looked like it had been chewed on by something oh, or yeah. was injured in some way. So we got it into the Rubbermaid, and I took it over home and put it in the reptile room uh, for a bit. And and I, I there's a vet at the university, Arnaud Van Wettery, and he's uh, he's a falconer, so he knows lots about r- birds and especially raptors. So I uh, ca- I texted him. I'm like, oh, I've got another bird because I, I, di- I uh, caught a red-tail hawk that was injured a while back man that thing was kind of yeah, that was amazing yeah. and it was much bigger bird I mean the screech owls are pretty small this thing was big and powerful like like surprisingly powerful like I, I went I kind of used a blanket to kind of throw the blanket over the bird and then grabbed it and like he almost got his talons into my hand, oh. and I felt the strength just kind <clears> of <throat> brushing. I'm like, "Holy crap, that would not have felt good." So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he helped me through that one, and I took it down to a rescue in Ogden, which is about an hour or a little bit more um, south of us. And so I'm like, "Oh man, I don't." I I was thinking, well, maybe I can take the owl to the to the rescue in the morning and drop. Heidi off at work and then drive down there but I had a call with the NIH so I'm like how am I going to do this maybe I can take the call from the road but anyway um, I was talking to another friend told him hey you know we found an owl it's kind of cool and he's like hey uh, there's a rescue in town or close to town and so it was only a 20 minute drive and so thought oh that's much better and then I contacted the lady that was in charge of it and she's like oh we take uh, drop-offs 24 hours a day so and I'm like, okay, we'll drive up there tonight. <laughs> so Heidi and I and one of our daughters drove up to to uh Preston, Idaho, which is yeah, about twenty twenty five minute drive yes. north of us. And we were about a mile away from the rescue and we got a flat tire. <laughs> so we're <laughs> on the side of the road, changing the tire on the Prius and, like an and eleven uh, at night. Yeah, eleven at night and the we were in front of some person's house and <laughs> they came out, uh, but the, I contacted the rescue, and I said, well, no, we're not going to be there when we said, because we got a flat tire, and she's like, oh, we'll come meet you, so they came out, yeah. and picked up the owl, helped me change the tire, so it was, you know, nice of them, so, yeah, yeah for some reason, the tire wouldn't come off, so it was, like, stuck, and <laughs> we had to kind of pry it off, I think it was just really hot or something, the metal was <laughs> sticking together for some reason, but, yeah. so we, they, we dropped off the owl, we got the tire changed, and then we headed back home, and we got home about, what, twelve fifteen or something, so... Oh, was it, late? it was yeah, a little was, bit of a late night, yeah. yeah. So, it was so cool but it was amazing. That thing was so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Such a beautiful I bird. I it was a,
1: like a juvenile because it was so small. But you think that's full grown? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. We've seen. Really little.
0: We saw the one that they had. We we went to a museum and they had an adult and it was on a guy's arm and yeah, it was a yeah, pretty so small, small owl. Yeah. So beautiful, yellow eyes. And I I learned. Uh, I don't know if this is true. I need to verify this, but like diurnal more diurnal owls have yellow eyes whereas like oh. the nocturnal owls have the darker eyes so hmm. i think it might be partially diurnal the screech owls i don't know oh. but it's just what i heard a little tidbit a little factoid
1: just in case you're
0: wondering <laughs> have you ever um, seen owl oh the orange eyes? orange more orange owl eyes are like not more nocturnal anyway thought that was interesting so yeah we got to play with an owl yesterday yeah. so that was fun
1: because it would how long would it take you you have to be a falconer first oh yeah before you can have owls you
0: have to apprentice with somebody and that
1: For, do you have to be the falcon thing first and then owls or can you just do owls i want?
0: think you have to start with like a either a red-tailed hawk or a sparrow hawk a kestrel Okay. And once you get those down, then you can branch into other things. There are some species that aren't regulated by that. So, like that eagle owl that that pet store That's had. That's what
1: I want. It's you an can eagle get owl. an
0: eagle owl without being a falconer, a I think. I think okay. technically it kind of goes outside. As long as it's not a native species, I think it's uh-huh. not regulated. But I don't know. I, I, I think that would be. It's probably better to. We <laughs> to,
1: can build a cool enclosure. Oh, yeah.
0: That would be an amazing be thing. But I would feel bad keeping such a big you know bird in in a cage but
1: unless you found one that was a rescue that could have that's lied. true
0: if it couldn't Even fly could. or something like i think that. that'd be really cool yeah and those are probably captive bred i don't know that they're importing eagle owls i doubt it but yeah. i don't know i don't know birds birds are a little more high maintenance but yeah while it was at the house i'm like hey i asked my friend uh should i give it a, a mouse and he's like yeah go for it he said maybe open it up so it can see the the liver and some of the organs and stuff oh. so i kind of opened it up for the and i i kind of put it in front of it and it grabbed it with its beak so i just kind of backed away slowly and left i kind of wish i would have watched it because it ended up eating it so it did get a meal so yeah. hopefully that helped there it along its way remains. to recovery but they said that those birds rehab really well. So Western screech owls do good. Yeah, so, yeah it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I was tired. I'm tired today. But not as tired as Chuck. He's just getting raked yeah. over the coals. It's pretty miserable for him right now. So he said, I've got a headache. I'm going to eat some Tylenol and go to bed. So he's Aww. he's out for the count. Poor Chuck. This we miss you, you, Chuck. Yeah, we'll we'll miss you, buddy. We miss you. We'll we'll record something to get out. So yeah. anyway, I guess uh, let's see what else we got going on. We got we got uh, one one or two more clutches in the incubator. Just one more snake clutch, and then a couple gecko eggs. So oh, wow. some Wheeler Eye eggs, and then uh, some Centralian Python. brettle uh, wow. Brettle Eye. I like to say brettle Eye. I don't know. I just, do too. Just I think Brettel Eye sounds better. I mean, it's proper to say Brett-le-eye, but not so proper. Just kidding um we like scientific pronunciation but it's a dead language so who cares right? i don't i don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> i think i just think bretel sounds better but yeah so anyway i've got a clutch of hypo bretel in the incubator so i'm excited nice. for those that'll be i these are the first typos i've hatched out so
1: how much longer yeah, do. do you think
0: um, they've probably got another month or so, oh, maybe really? a little less, maybe okay. half a month. I kind of want them to take their time because I'm I'm a, running out of room. I've got, oh, no. I think I can squeeze them in, but it's gonna be a squeeze. I yeah. it's a good thing I've got a reptile show coming up, so I can hopefully move some animals. But um, the jungles are eating. I think I've got all of them except for maybe two, and of course my favorite one out of the clutch is not eating. It's figured. a zebra jungle that is striped. So it's like really mm-hmm. pinstripey, really interesting looking. So I'm really curious to see how it grows up. And then the Inlands, I got one Inland feeding. I, I started feeding trials and one took um, last week. Yeah. So I've got a little ways to go with the Inlands. Um, I'm I'm so doing? torn because I want to see them develop and gain their colors. I, I was looking at an old picture. An old picture popped up on, I don't know, maybe social media or on my phone or something and it was of a of an inland that I sold and I was looking at it going how did I sell that it was so gorgeous I'm like (laughs) what am I doing (laughs) selling these things so I kind of want to hold on to at least a small group of them because these are these are some of my first selectively bred like my holdbacks the offspring of my holdbacks so I kind of want to keep them around. And then I was looking at one of the Inlands that I didn't breed this year, and I'm like, man, why didn't I breed this girl? She looks phenomenal. She just looks so good. So I'm really excited for the Inlands. And I think, you know, there's other people out there maybe that are excited too. I know at least a couple of you guys uh, listening are, are excited for these. And and uh, so, yeah, I'm, uh, hopefully we'll get them eating and ready to go soon. I kind of want to hold on to the jungles too to watch them color up. I love watching yeah. jungles color up. Um, the blackheads uh i'm gonna probably just resort to cis feeding though so they're getting a little thin and they didn't hatch out with a lot of like they didn't like a lot of blackheads hatch out really fat like with a lot of oh. like their yolk or reserves or something these guys didn't I think it my incubation I need to figure something out there yeah. talk to a bunch of people, but. Um, so I'm still trying to figure that out, how to get a better hatch rate and get, get these things going. But I think I'm going to have to assist feed this week. The, the blackheads, um, I tried last week, but I think I was using too large of an item. I thought maybe if I got, you know, got the front part of it in, maybe they'd just finish it, but now yeah. I spit it right out. So
1: do you ever do like a liquid diet or like a, yeah. something like that just to get it? The nutrients. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier because you can the just kind of,
0: yeah, get them the nutrients, the strength. I need the strength. I need strength. and nutrients. Um, we love nacho in this nacho. family. Yep. Nacho. Um, but yeah, so assist feeding. I think that's what most black-headed breeders do, is they start yeah. out with assist feeding. Um, so, yeah. Then the the womas are, the pair womas that I got were, were solid in there probably ready to go here soon. I think I've got a buyer for him. I need to check with him, see if he's, if he wants them. I sent him pictures and he said, thanks, but he didn't say I'll take them or, you know, um, I'll send you money. So we'll see how that goes. And then I've got a few other odds and ends. So yeah. Um, but yeah, good season. I'm happy. It's got a lot of good stuff out there. Um, Oh man, the, another, uh, clutch of Western Stimpsons hatch, some wheat belts. And this is my another holdback pair of stripes. Mm. And there's one in there that's just crazy striped and really neat, neat patterned. And they're kind of varying degrees of striping. And so I'm excited about that clutch. So I don't know, man, people are missing the boat on the wheat belt Stimpsons. They're just so cool. They're amazing. And I've got a few of them. So, you know, like, need to slow down. I guess they, they've just done so well here. And I feel bad because they're, um, they're not very, you know, there's not many people breeding them. I know there's a few people that produced them this year. So that's yeah. good. I know Casey Lazick did and William Philippe did and a couple others. So um, there's some other people out there producing, which is good because I want them to be established in the hobby. We, we've produced hundreds of them here. They've done really well for us. And uh, that, um, speaking of the Westerns, that's kind of the part of the idea that I had for today's discussion. I, okay. so, um, we're, Chuck and I were going to record and then he was not feeling up to it. So we, I had a topic, but I think we'll save that for later. So today's going to be more of just like a, a discussion rather than a fight. Um, we're not going to flip the coin. Well, maybe we could flip the coin just for fun. Okay. Do you want to call it? Yeah. And then we'll talk Tell about the two. It's tails. It's tails. You're 100%, aren't you? Haven't you won?
1: I honestly don't remember. (laughs) I think you beat me every time on the coin
0: flip. You're good. You got the luck of the chuck. I'm going to Vegas. The luck of the chuck. The luck of the chuck. Don't go to Vegas. (laughs) No. Um, Go to
1: Idaho. a lottery ticket. (laughs) It's
0: closer. Yeah. So, I was listening to The Wonderful Podfather and... The Mac and Wookie discuss, or, or they were interviewing William to
1: Do a chewy noise. <laughs> glad I didn't do give that. us your best chewy no, noise. No, no, no. Go on. No.
0: He was he was upset that you kind of took a dig at him last time. I don't remember you taking a dig. We'll have to go back and listen I to the know, tapes. I
1: it doesn't sound like me. I
0: know, man. You're. I'm just... sure it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> He, yeah, so he said he's always listening sometimes, <laughs> so oh, I thought that was pretty funny. I'm extending
1: an olive branch.
0: Well, <laughs> we love you, Owen. Let's be friends. <laughs> he's getting married soon. Oh. it's getting close, yeah. And uh, one of our Aussie friends, Luke, is his wife's having a baby. Aw. Oh. So... Congrats to you if you've got the, if the baby's on the ground, <laughs> if it's, if yeah. you've got a little hatchling or That's newborn. <laughs> I, still go I know. See, uh, we need grandkids. Chris's uh, grandkids,
1: yeah. or Chris's kids.
0: Yeah, cuppers.
1: Yep. We yep. someday will have grandkids. We miss our
0: Aussie friends. We need to get back there, don't we? Yeah,
1: a couple of years. We'll be That's there. right. We're
0: coming in a couple of years, so prepare yourselves, Aussies. If not sooner for, for the invasion of the youngest Jewlander children and their parents. Should be fun. So you won the coin toss. Okay. Do you okay. Wanna, what do you wanna do? What want to do? What do you want to win? Oh, this is the, Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. No, never mind. <laughs> never mind.
1: Well,
0: I would say. <laughs> I, sh- I, do I should open that door. The mixer? Holy cow. Yeah. I thought you were going to get it.
1: It's like a nutrimental knockoff.
0: You got didn't you get some money or something? I got clothes. Oh, you got clothes instead. Hey, you had your chance. Too.
1: But clothes are technically like a budget item, so we could. I'm talking say, like five
0: dollars and under here. Uh, not a mixer. Come on.
1: I'll I'll take a twelve pack of Diet Coke.
0: Okay. And Owen's nope, giving. Gonna... No, oh, okay. then
1: I want um, twelve packs a thing more than of five Red bucks. Vines. The ropes uh-huh. in the pack. Okay. And then. Yeah. Don't
0: don't lose the coin toss, folks. This is what happens. That's part so. one. <laughs> okay, you can tell me part two later. <laughs> the show is only a short one today. <laughs> so um, yeah, what was I saying? You oh, what we I we do we do love the Mac and Wookie. He's yes, the, he's do. a good man. And best of luck to you in your ventures, in your wedding ventures. New ventures. Um, yep. yep. Wish we could be there, but we weren't invited. So. He doesn't care about us he's that much. He's mad that's yeah. right. Oh, that's right. We've, we're, we're, right we're talking smack on him in the reptile fight club. Hey, bad if you can't bad, handle the fight. Bad feelings. Bad don't feelings. be the Mac and Wookie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Owen's no a great that's guy. Fun. That's um, about the funnest time in life. Yep. Yeah, we, yep. we reflect on those days fondly. Good times. Good times. We're excited for you, buddy. Good luck to you. Um, so anyway, uh, I was listening to the podfather <laughs> and the Mackinwookie talk, interview, uh, William Philippeck of T W J J. Don't oh, I'm sorry. Don't I can't care. remember your, your, uh, work, right. uh, your business name. William Philippeck. Cool guy. He's, he's, I I met him at, uh, Tinley a couple of years ago. Really cool guy. So um, but he was talking to uh Eric and Owen talking about uh Western Stimpsons and his ratios in um his like gender ratios. So he gets clutches of like mostly males. Oh. And he was he was looking at the Yeah, like several clutches have been mostly males okay. of anteresia. And like I've had a couple of Western Stim clutches that were fairly male high but overall it's kind of all balanced out and I have a pretty even sex ratio so um, even you know males and female numbers overall you know over several clutches so I'm not sure what's what's going on but he, he mentioned that he measured some of his egg box container temperatures and they were like up in the 90s and typically we incubate our python eggs usually around 89 88 and so I think my incubator is actually a little low uh, 80, 87 in the egg boxes, at least on some of the shelves. So I haven't sexed my um, hatchlings this year, but in previous year and and especially with the uh, pygmy pythons, I'm usually f- way female heavy in oh, those really. clutches. So, yeah, I don't know. But I, I do have some data from I, I inserted a temp probe into a clutch while the female is laying the eggs. So the mm-hmm. temperature probe just got kind of incorporated into the clutch with a uh, pygmy python. And while she was incubating the clutch, like routinely got up above 90, like up to 92 degrees. Mm-hmm. And we put this graph in the complete children's Python book, okay. shameless plug. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, the temperatures spiked pretty higher than I expected them to. And so she had a wide range of choices in her in her enclosure of you know where she could have incubated the eggs, but yeah, she chose a spot where they got pretty hot. And
1: they never move once once they coiled. No, they, they can
0: move them. They yeah, they can kind of inch over and move the clutch mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, there's been some people that have. I think Nick was telling a story once where he thought they should have been in a, a nest box, and so he moved the moved them. Over or towards the nest box, and then they moved back, or no. something like that. Maybe oh, I'm misremembering, but kind of a cool thing. That's so, interesting. So I mean, yeah. it
1: could be anywhere between like 10 degrees higher than where you're at. Yeah. And in your incubator.
0: Let's crack open the book. Uh, let's refresh okay. our memories. There, it's the greenish one next to the first edition of the Complete Carpet. Yeah. I, I uh, speaking of the Complete Carpet, I I emailed uh, Bob asking about the the new book, and I haven't heard back from him, so I'm hoping uh, that uh, we'll be able to get some advanced copies soon, and then the rest of the copies will follow shortly after that. But it might we we might still be a month out or something.
1: Well, you um, know, what I was going to ask you is don't isn't that a thing with like turtles, like
0: yeah, temperature sex like determination? <laughs> you like turtles? I like turtles. <laughs> but you
1: know, like yeah, that's it.
0: So, yeah, they, their sex not... is determined by their um, temperature that they incubate at. And it's
1: at. just random because don't they just leave the eggs
0: Well, they're, and go?
1: They I, don't sit on I them. I
0: think I saw a page. So uh, I think one of the things that got me thinking about this topic or this idea was uh, I, I'm reading uh, Dr. Richard Schein's new book, um, too many, So Many Snakes, So Little Time really just a fun book it's basically him talking about all his uh um early career and starting out in the research and things like that so it was really a it's it's really been a great book telling stories of like near misses with snakes <laughs> and things like that so it's um really an exciting book but I've, i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying it i'm about a hundred pages in so hopefully the Really, Python Radio folks invite me to be on that book club review or whatever. But oh, that's fun. Um, Is so, that yeah. You're
1: reading it because it's a book
0: club, or no? I just bought it and I'm reading it. So it's a it's a really cool um, book. But yeah. So okay. So the max temperature they got was about 91 degrees. 91. What's the Lowest. And they went down to like 87. Okay. So but they spent most of their time probably above 90, like for yeah. the most part. And this is over a twelve hundred hours of incubation.
1: <laughs> It'd be interesting to see too, like those periods in where it dips down, like maybe they were moving, or maybe do they ever get up and get a drink of water? Or yeah. Something where the mom, Sometimes the females some can of leave the clutch, uh huh.
0: Yeah, because there's only like three, three dips. Yeah. But it could also be the ambient temperature of the room dropped too, because the, our Aww. old room was a little less therm. Well, yeah. it was pretty thermally stable, but it would get cold pretty in the different. winter, and yeah. But these would be more in the spring, although they laid them pretty uh, early in the year. So anyway, I was reading the book and thinking about science and thinking about how, you know, maybe to run a study. And so, and then when I heard William talking about, you know, the sex ratios of the anteresia clutches and how he noticed maybe they were at higher temperatures. And I, I seem to remember that higher temperatures usually correspond with female sex, but the I know that there is differing um so how do i put this like uh sex gametes and or, or chromosomes that bear the sex genes are different between different reptile groups Aww. so like some um some are like us where the female is the homo um <laughs> what's the name the Zygus? homo is homozygous oh. for the y right oh, okay. or x yeah. x double yeah. x and then males are x y yeah. and so we're called the heterogametic and you guys are the homogametic so women are he- homogametic males are heterogametic oh.
1: gametic
0: gametes gamete gametic Ah, <laughs> uh, bretaly bretaly so um anyway that 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 could be um, different with like turtles and so mm-hmm. in turtles and crocodilians, if it's higher temperatures, I believe they turn female. And maybe it's like there's like a two phases. Maybe it's the high temperature and the very low temp. No, it's the high temperature that are males, okay. and the and I think low temperatures are also males. And then the kind of intermediate are females. I should have looked this up, I guess, before yeah. we start recording. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that's how it goes because they're worried with rising temperatures that it's going to be all male sea turtles out there, you know, like trying to find a female. So there'll be be fewer females, but there was some indication that the embryos had a certain amount of control over whether they become males or females. I was reading a Rick shine paper on his website that had some discussion of how the embryo can maybe influence that. I I don't know. I need to, again, I should have done a little research for for this topic.
1: Because I mean,
0: that's
1: interesting.
0: So, so yeah. And so like, we know that certain species have TSD temperature, sex determination Mm -hmm. and others don't like, you know, and, and as far as we know, pythons don't have that. So if this is the case that, you know, higher temperature means that, you're getting a higher ratio of males in the clutch, Mm -hmm. then that could be an interesting scientific breakthrough. So, you know, hearing, um, William talk about that made me think, okay, so I know he got at least some of his Westerns from me. I think he got all of his Westerns from me. As far Mm -hmm. as I know, I know he, he bought both, uh, lines of Westerns. And, uh, so you know, why are his heavy male and mine aren't, you know, mine are kind of more equal. Yeah. Maybe I'm incubating in the lower temperature or and his are getting hotter in the nest boxes that he's using, the the incubation boxes he's mm-hmm. using. So it got me thinking like how would you demonstrate that? How would you prove that? And so yeah. I thought, well, maybe let's talk about how to design a prove you know, have a hypothesis and prove the hypothesis with an experiment. Because if one I I, I think Dr. Shine talks about this in his book as well, is that the importance of um, you know natural or what's the <laughs> hobbyist scientists or yeah or citizen science mm-hmm. citizen science is kind of what they refer to that as and how important citizen science can be to science in general because we've got uh, and and he would talk to different keepers I I, I just started the chapter that he, where he starts talking about pythons and he was talking about how he, if he had a question about pythons, he'd go to people he, who he knew kept pythons because mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of reptile keepers in Sydney because they would find a diamond python and, oh, it's a beautiful snake. It's really easy going. And so he'd, they'd put it in their, a cage in their living room or something. And so a lot of people were keeping diamond pythons until the Australian government said, no, they're rare. We're going to make this illegal. And so he stopped allowing people to collect. So sometime between the seventies and eighties or something like that, or maybe the nineties. And so, um, but he would go to his friends that were more hobbyists that just kind of kept reptiles as a hobby. So, um, it's, I, I like that, um, idea of working, you know, working, scientists working with hobbyists because all too commonly there's this division between, hobbyists and zookeepers or hobbyists and scientists or scientists and zookeepers. You know, yeah. I've heard of a few kind of riffs there as well. And so, you know, if it, we, we do a lot better overall, I think, if we work together. Yeah. I mean, collaboration is always better, right?
1: And also, too, like to realize that just because you see something with your animals doesn't mean that you, that that's necessarily like, the rule yeah, about something you, you have to be able to look at it subjectively and say, okay, like, am I, am I, like, I can't just come and make a claim that this is how it is for the species all the time, mm-hmm. because this is what I observed, because yeah. you don't know if you don't know what you're doing.
0: Exactly. You know? and, and I think yeah. that to, to William's credit, when he was, when he was on the podcast, he was saying that, uh, he's like, you know, I need to talk to Justin about this because this is just what I'm observing. And he didn't say, I think, you know, when you keep Antaresia, they're all yeah. going to be males, you know, like yeah. that's, it's because we inbreed them or it's because this mm-hmm. or that, you know, he didn't give a reason. He maybe gave some possibilities, but he, mm-hmm. he never said this is why, you know, which is really admirable yeah. because a lot of times in herbiculture, we get these myths or like these uh-huh. long-standing traditions of this is how it is because, yeah. and, and it happens in science too. I know that, uh part of that again going back to the shine book um he was saying that uh uh they didn't know certain species laid eggs they just assumed they were live bears because other members of the genus also you know had live babies and yeah. so they just assumed they were and they and then they wrote that into the books mm-hmm. like this species is most probably a live bearer, and then it became this species of the live bearer, and then um dr shine went back and looked at all these preserved specimens across all different groups. And he said, there's probably not a species that he hasn't looked at in a jar, you know, in the, in, Mm -hmm. in the various Australian museums and found out that, yeah, certain species weren't live bears, like it was thought. And they did lay eggs. So, you know, he could show that, through these preserved specimens and he learned a lot of interesting natural history just by looking at preserved specimens. Yeah. That was one thing that kind of kept me away from herpetology is thinking, oh, "I don't want to pickle these things," but mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of value and he even got good at identifying different uh, things inside of animals that had been hit by cars and sat on a hot road and were mm-hmm. partially decomposed when they were fixed yeah. in formalin, so even those had some value, mm-hmm. but yeah, we can, I guess we can learn stuff even in bad situations like road kills. But yeah. so anyway, um, I thought uh, I'd talk about like what you need to demonstrate something. Because like, you know, like we just discussed there, uh, you can't just say I observe this. So this is fact because, you know, there's variables that go into that. Yeah. And one of the variables that William mentioned was temperature. And so if you wanted to prove this, you could say, okay, I have the hypothesis that there is temperature, sex, determination in Pythons. And so how do you determine that? And so I guess I would suggest, and, you know, this is something that we could all work together to to test, to yeah. prove.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And it wouldn't
0: require too, too much of an investment, you know. Mm-hmm. So what you would need is probably a very... Um, stable uh incubator that you could set the temperature to and you need some temperature probes to to monitor the temperature of your incubation chamber that has the eggs in it as well as your um, incubator and then um just set your temperatures to to different you know thermal regimens um, and see what happens, you know.
1: And do the thermometers keep track over time? Like how do they... Some can, the,
0: yeah. Some they... can like keep the maximum and minimum temperatures right. that they've experienced over a long period of time. Um, or you could just measure, you know, come down at certain times of the day and, mon- you know, and monitor enough. the temperature or have one of those on. I mean, you can get...
1: You can get a grill, a grill y- you can get temperature the... thermometer set that will... Like a wireless thermometer that mm-hmm. will graph for you.
0: Yeah, there's there's these little devices called Govi. Um, I've got a couple out in some of my cages out in the reptile room. I just yeah. thought of those. Those would be easy too because they're like 15 bucks. They're like the size of an egg. You just put them in the incubation, uh, ch- the incubation chamber and then um, it will track... The temperature well, do you think that
1: in order to have the experiment be like more pure, would you would everyone who did it have to have the same equipment?
0: Um, I mean, that would help, but I don't think it's not ne- necessary. So as long as you can, yeah, have something that's fairly stable, and you can show that your temperatures were within a certain range, and then yeah. show that you know you had two separate thermal regimes, yeah. then you could kind of gather evidence, and so that's part of this, right? what what we need is a high what's called an n or a you know a, the number of animals or test subjects or whatever is the is your n and the the more test subjects you have the more confident you can be in your data yeah. and so if you have you know if you get a you know 70 80 eggs in a season and you take half of each clutch because there could be some variability between clutches and so you need to say okay i'm going to compare yeah, the from clutch. the same clutch eggs at one temperature versus another temperature mm-hmm. you know because yeah. if you have like one clutch in in one temperature and another clutch in, in at another temperature then you you're somewhat comparing apples to oranges whereas if you take eggs from the same clutch and then you'd also need to very carefully um have, have the same sized containers. The same ratio of water to vermiculite or whatever substrate. you're using as your substrate, and so okay. everything is kept the same. So mm-hmm. that's that kind of standard or or across the board. And so if you had 80 eggs divided between, you know, two different temperatures, 40 is a pretty good n.
1: <laughs> is that pretty reliable? Like, because I mean, wouldn't you want to have more as many? Yeah. Test subject or ends, mm -hmm, whatever, mm -hmm. as possible.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, yeah, if you had 300, then that would make a stronger case than 80 would. mm -hmm. And, and, you know, of course. And also, mm -hmm. the
1: more people you have that can reproduce the same results, that strengthens your.
0: Exactly. Reproducibility is very critical in this regard. And so, like, I guess we could use my case and William's case where he sees a high male ratio and I don't. Um, you know, then we can say, okay, what's the difference between us two or, or if, but if we both conduct, conducted the same experiment and got completely different results, then that would maybe be a little harder to explain, you know, but if we had a pretty well controlled experiment where we used the same size containers and same Mm -hmm. thermal regimen, you know, settings, then, yeah. you know, that would help uh, to We're have those two different too. data like, sets. Do
1: you have to monitor that? Do you have like a... Yeah, I mean... Because there could be some other things.
0: Exactly. He's out like kind of... I think he's uh, Ohio or so- somewhere out in the... You know, where it's more humid and, you yeah. know, so different... So maybe just in and, general, and out here it's really yeah. dry. It could be not a temperature thing, but a but a moisture thing. I You know, it's and hard to no, say.
1: There's nothing wrong with starting the experiment mm-hmm. saying we think it's because yeah. of temperature come to find out it's because of
0: hydration, Yeah, yeah, the
1: tilt of the earth where you live (laughs) or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so that's a, I mean, that's a good point is, you know, you, you want to have a hypothesis that you can say, yes, there's evidence to support this or no, there's not evidence to support this. Mm -hmm. So if you say my hypothesis is that temperature, different temperatures, higher temperatures influence a different sex ratio than a different, you know, a lower temperature, Mm -hmm. then you can test that. and and do a higher versus lower temperature and see if you have differences in your sex ratio in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, now anteresia are good because you can, you know, they breed fairly early. You can get quite a few, uh, eggs from them. I mean, I've seen clutches up to 10, 15, 20 eggs, you know, in some instances mm-hmm. and they're smaller, you know, so you can probably fit more clutches in, a, in an incubator and even get a smaller incubator to yeah. test it sometimes. So, you know, it, it but could be done. then if you
1: boost your numbers just to have an experiment, then are you like irresponsibly breeding more snakes <laughs> than you can take care of? Yeah,
0: them. that's a good question. I mean, obviously you need a uh, And and in science, like,
1: instead of you boosting up your numbers, it's like, okay, who, who has this animal
0: and who would care to be in the, that's another great reason to crowdsource, right? So you can have, you don't have to produce 300 eggs, you can produce 40 eggs and still get, you know, add your end to somebody else's end that has, you know, the same temperature so it does require a little bit of cooperation and a little bit of planning and a little bit of you know coordination between yeah. different people but it can be done and it's pretty easy I mean mm-hmm. I think how many I think I've hatched out thirty nine Anteresia this year Wow! and and I had kind of I didn't I didn't hit on the spotted pythons or the pygmy pythons or children's pythons I think it's all Western and Eastern Stimson's pythons, so which are <laughs> now children's pythons, apparently. I, not that I agree with that, but all <laughs> children's, <laughs> complete children. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the what I wanted to talk about. And that's a great idea. So, yeah, keep in mind, keep you know, keep it uh, something you can test. Keep it simple. So, like, have two vari- variable, two things that are different but everything else try to keep exactly the same. Yeah. And if you do that and and I mean if you if you found out okay so say we did this study and William and I both had the same thermal regimens in our home, you know, the two two separate variables and kept everything else the same and then we saw okay the ones at a higher temperature they were mostly males and the ones at a lower temperature were um, even matched or or more females or something. Okay that suggests that the higher temperatures influence sex and that maybe the anteresia are TSD. So, um, temperature sex determinant. And so, um, after that, then you can get into more, you know, that's when you probably collaborate with a, an actual PhD herpetologist, you know, because they can look at the genetics or whatever and and figure out maybe
1: like uh, that could be a fundable project potentially and, yeah
0: yeah yeah and then you're then you're looking at genetics you're looking yeah. into like common um, because I'm pretty sure they've worked out what how how TSD works in turtles or crocodilians yeah. and so you could use those same too. ideas to see if it's the same in pythons yeah. and it could be complete like they like I said earlier they could have a complete different uh, heterogametic sex I think in pythons at least in ball pythons I think the male is the homogametic sex Mm -hmm. and the female is the heterogametic sex so it's opposite of what we have and I think it's ZW instead of XY Mm -hmm. and females are ZW and males are easy or ww one of the two i think that's how it works ben ben Morrell, come on save me here help us ben, we knew. Help us, ben. you're Not our really only hope help. <laughs> help us ben kenobi <laughs> yeah ben ben uh uh benson did some really cool uh had some great ideas on that and he's i mean he's doing some wonderful work in yeah. in regards to reptilian genetics and and figuring out how to identify males and females use, using genetic tests mm-hmm. and you would think it would be pretty simple but it's very difficult it's almost yeah. like looking for a needle in a haystack so we need to have him come back on and talk about that more and get into some Markers. debates about genetic uh, yeah uh, uh, you know I was
1: thinking about um, in species in the wild if temp if temperature is a thing that can determine is there anything to say like okay we know as a species that we don't have enough males, so we're going to hatch this clutch out. You know, like when I have my next clutch of babies, I'm going to incubate them higher because we need more males in the population. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that anamorphizing animals too much? Or I, mean,
0: I don't know. I think...
1: Do they have any control? I'm going to have or... to look into that because I'm pretty
0: sure that paper kind of discussed that idea that m- maybe the female nests in a different area or like mm-hmm. in a cove where it's shady and it's not quite as hot or something like that, you yeah. know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's a hard thing to, to know how, how much they're cognizant of that. Like yeah. if they're like, man, this is a sausage fest. We need to have <laughs> yeah, more, need females. more females. I need to lay my eggs deeper in the ground where they're not as hot Yeah, or maybe if the like
1: Temperatures that. don't allow like for like the turtles, if they don't allow for like a sustainable female population then they they go like you said deeper in the ground or or they they adapt yeah Yeah. or they find other ways i mean animals have done that
0: sure i mean the the earth has changed i mean not as maybe at the rate that it's changing now but the earth has changed over the and and i mean the sad matter of it is a lot of things go extinct when things change too rapidly yeah and so we could be facing a major extinction event if things get too warm. Um, but, you know, I, we, we have seen adaptations, difference, or uh, altered uh, migration routes or, or, or extent of migration, like they're migrating further north or south where it's cooler, um, where before they would never be seen, you know, that far north or south, but now they're going further north and south. And year colder. after
1: year, they go back to the same place.
0: Yeah. Because so sometimes altering. like
1: the adults will die, but then their offspring will do that same mm-hmm. migration. Even though it's not like like mom and dad are flying them with them and showing them this is where you go, right? Yeah. Somehow they know. where and to we're go.
0: we're seeing certain populations getting stranded, like almost like on islands where the lower deserts are too hot and so they're you know further and further up the mountains they're more stable there because they're not being affected by the rising temperatures and so you know we're seeing changes in you know we're seeing localized extinctions based on too hot temperatures in those areas and and it's pushing them into more cooler areas where they aren't historically known to be and so Yeah. I mean, either you adapt or you perish. And so that's kind of the sad thing of this. And hopefully we see more adaptations rather than perishing, but who knows? So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I I mean, that was kind of the thought I had about, you know, like I really enjoyed, uh, Williams uh interview that was a lot of fun he he keeps a really cool array of species and he's you know also excited about the Antaresia like me and so (laughs) it's always fun to hear a fellow Antaresia nut I mean they are a little bit more difficult but I think overall they're uh, very rewarding and and easy enough to breed that you know it makes it yeah. a little more fulfilling even though they're challenging i i like a challenge i don't know i think everybody kind of wimps out like i'll just breed ball pythons because they're easy i don't want to breed antresia they're too scary so come on yeah. like
1: well i think it's refreshing too where he's looking at the species that he appreciates and mm-hmm. well why is that let's yeah. let's kind of look into it like it's kind of like doing your own detective work you know mm-hmm. like your own mystery that you're
0: gonna solve yeah and and, and i think too as you get uh, more domestication or more generations in captivity you see these things get easier and easier to start like my eastern stimpsons pretty much ate first try like really? no no real difficulties the westerns are still a little more tricky but not not they're getting better too like i've uh i've had better luck with with successive generations, getting them to feed without trickery and things well, like that. These are the
1: ones so. that like to eat lizards in the wild, yeah. and that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's, so. the,
0: that's the downside. I've of done it, that
1: so. when you were out of town once. Oh, them. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Feeding them tails. And... Cutting <laughs> off parts, uh-huh. like tails and feet.
0: And legs, yeah.
1: Legs, yeah. That was
0: fun. <laughs> you are a saint. I think yeah. somebody said that. Maybe it was Lisa Farina, or somebody said that like you're married oh. to a saint yeah <laughs> i then, don't deserve you and then
1: one time i was taking care of your stuff and then i swear your um green tree pythons they just gave me these puppy dye puppy dog eyes and they wanted food and i was feeding something else mm-hmm. so i of course obliged and fed them <laughs> but i fed them mice or ra- i fed the opposite rats, yeah. i fed them rats mm-hmm. instead of and you had been working to get them on the other and then well, I, or I, something like that i had
0: a green tree that died because i fed it an oh. obese mouse and yeah. it was like a giant mouse and i don't know why it died because was snakes sent...
1: they made it though they did the yeah, ones i took fine. care of yeah okay
0: but uh, yeah, I was like, "Oh man, I don't want <laughs> yeah, I don't want that on your, you know, I don't want you." And to And I and thank I you.
1: I fed them knowing that that thing is it's, it's going to spring at me and I'll probably get bit. <laughs> but they looked so hungry. Oh yeah,
0: they always they're yeah, the best so. of the puppy dog eyes, yeah. little yep.
1: What so. I this C- an Australian's Uh-huh. Those are my favorites. Oh yeah, you, I'm excited hands for down, these those guys. Those are there. the most beautiful snake. Yeah. I love those. Oh,
0: I don't know. Like there's some others that I'm really excited about right now. But... No, I really like those. Yeah,
1: I like the yeah. he- I like the head shape. I think mm-hmm. they're they're my favorite.
0: Yeah, and that red coloration I like a good, is so beautiful. D-
1: uh, diamond jungle cross, diamond mm-hmm. carpet,
0: cross? diamond jungle, or diamond, diamond carpet. Jungle. Diamond
1: that's cross. what I like too.
0: There's some interesting diamond diamond yeah. crosses. Like I they like those really patterns. add a. And I think it's because I don't know diamonds are they seem to have diverged a little bit before some of the yeah. others that they, they're a little they're not a just a round of the mill carpet python you know mm-hmm. even though they're closely related and, and listed as the same species they're probably different enough they could even be classified as a different species yeah. i might be angering people <clears throat> scott Eiper, but uh <laughs> saying that but you know there's there's some evidence to suggest that so we'll yeah. we'll leave it to yeah. the scientists but uh, as far as i'm concerned they're There's some interesting things there. Yeah. Oh, I also uh, ran some, the the idea of the, so in in the forthcoming second edition, the more complete carpet Python, I've talked about uh, just kind of an epiphany I had about. Um, water drainage basins and carpet pythons oh. like some of the genetic work that's been done, and there's a really nice overlap. And so you'll see a couple figures in the book about the overlap between drainage basins and genetic uh, differences or, you know, uniqueness and and how they line up on really well with the, the drainage basins in australia which makes a lot of sense and so i ran that idea by uh dr shine and he said oh, oh really? yeah it sounds like a good idea in
1: the book and, until we go there and and really map it out in person okay i think we need to go there done okay. deal <laughs> <laughs> i like you <laughs> uh
0: so i i uh I don't know. That's there's a lot of fun. I I would like to get get back there and see. I'm kind of jealous those uh you know Rob and Eric and some others are going over. I, I know, think I Keith's going go. with them and Matt uh is going, so
1: You've got to make that work.
0: Well, it's too late I think. I don't know if I could get a reasonably priced plane ticket to this. Way. Oh, and oh. I'm going to Mexico yeah. with Shane, so I can't ditch out on him. So, yeah, but yeah, we'll get over there soon. I'll probably be over there next year, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. You and I are going to France. To France. I know.
1: I was looking where Joan of Arc is from. It's like almost two and a half hours away. Oh. Like north Mm -hmm. from where we'll be. So, I mean.
0: Yeah. Ah, let's hit the Alps. Let's go up in the Alps. Yeah, that's true. I think that'll be cool. I mean, Joan of Arc is cool. I'd rather see the Alps rather than a dead girls. Go where she's from. <laughs> a dead girls' church or something. Yeah. Hey, I know she was That's...
1: burned alive, honey. I know she deserves. Some okay, so I don't want to and... see some Is dead it homage, girls' ashes. Homage, <laughs> homage. they don't homage. have the acid. The ashes, acid. <laughs> Apparently, it's been they use day acid to burn her? <laughs> they use acid to burn her ass. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, <good laughs> language young lady <laughs> know, I'm sure. hey that stuff was brutal
0: i know yeah, yeah she was a brave woman was she was awesome so anyway yeah i i uh i agree i want to get back there i'm itching like, i
1: also do agree with that statement <laughs> I, I as I well, as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy yeah
0: so if you're interested in doing a cool scientific study, let's uh, get together. Let's get our brain power working together. And, yeah,
1: I mean, what better, yeah. more positive thing for the reptile community? Instead of being yeah. like, well, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know. He says this. You know, hey, let's
0: Let's test it. Let's, yeah. test it. let's figure Let, it out.
1: Let's test your idea first. Like, uh-huh. how's that for a, a nice way to handle things? Yeah. Like, I think you're a little cuckoo, but let's test your idea first. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: like, yeah. Thanks for being so scientific minded, William. That was a, uh, that was a yeah, great interview yeah. and you had some really good insights. So I enjoyed that and, um, got, got my wheels turned. And I mean, you know, I think we've, we've discussed like as a group kind of carpet Python keepers have discussed these kind of things, these yeah. ideas or these ways of working together to test a hypothesis back in the days of the Morelia Pythons forum days, mm-hmm. you know, like, so, um, but i i don't know i don't know if we ever got our ducks in a row to do it right yeah. and to have kind of a cohesive plan so you know the time may be now let's yeah. uh, let's try it out see what we can find and then um you know once you get some data and you you can even publish that data and be a co-author on an, on a journal you know a journal article for a herpetological mm-hmm. journal so how cool would that be, yeah, be um yeah, let's work together, people. <laughs> and, and I mean, it comes down a little bit to, like, laziness on my part. Like, I have started a study where I was going to compare feeding tails with feeding hind legs to mm-hmm. different anteresia. And so I had two different groups of hatchlings and I started and I was like recording their weights and stuff. And then I just, it just got too much and I got busy and I stopped doing it. So, you know, I've started a few of those kind of studies and Mm. kind of, uh, wimped out. So I think it would help too, to have other people that are vested and you know, that are like, Hey man, how's your data collection? Yeah. Like you, yeah. Yeah. Like you work together and, and that's kind of how, you know,
1: uh, yeah. If someone's waiting, you know, you got Chuck, waiting for you to say okay like you know if you don't continue to collect data on it then you're letting somebody else down not just you're Mm
0: -hmm. you know petering out on the project but you're yeah you're letting your friend down so yeah so i i don't know i thought instead of skipping a week i'd throw this out there and bring on my beautiful wife to chat with me a little bit so So hopefully sweet. it was uh, helpful, and hopefully we can get some yeah. fun projects going together. Find somebody with a like interest and, you know, look at some ideas.
1: I'm going to go plan a study right now. There we go. That's
0: right.
1: There see. we go. <laughs> Just joking, I'm not. <laughs> 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 no, I'm going to.
0: You've got, like, your garden stuff. You could yeah. look at different hey. soil uh, components. or you could. Yeah. could. You could. Plant, plant half your tomatoes in one type and try a different fertilizer. Yeah, <laughs> there's a ton to of again, yeah. ton of data on soil and crop science, you know. And right now, it's a big field. I
1: really think what well, what I've kind of started doing is like I'm going to rotate mm-hmm. like where I did tomatoes this year, I'm going to switch over and do oh,
0: some a yeah. different crop. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But I, uh, my, Ooh, we just I have my ginger oh, mint. Uh, and, oh, yeah. You're so gonna I'm going to make, make mint jelly. jelly. And then I have apple mint. Ooh. And then regular, some kind of like a more standard mint. So uh, that's what I'll be doing this weekend. And
0: you made that pepper jelly last year. Yeah. That's so good. Yep, my that reminds are- us. Let's go get some. Uh, yeah, reminds me. I guess it reminds us. Let's go get some cream cheese and eat some pepper. Been
1: an jelly. hour since we ate dinner. It's there time to eat
0: snacks. <laughs> get some triscuits and yeah. some pepper jelly. What were
1: you gonna say? We ate the other day. Though? Um,
0: I don't I was, uh, We ate tonight. Your some of your green tomato. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Salsa or sauce. With, I, well, with I chili. canned
1: green tomatoes. Just you know.
0: Yeah, we have a short growing season. I think we talked yeah, about that with Chuck. So
1: so I uh, use that in the chili verde, um, chili. So yeah. I mean that it's just a tasty. great flavor. It has a really good texture too. And I think mm-hmm. you can tell there's some tomatillos in there too.
0: And and Heidi always includes a lot of meat, so yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. I was it turkey or was I it beef? I
1: think I don't I honestly don't know know because I made so many freezer meals that oh, day, yeah. I don't remember if you it was grass it out of the park with the freezer. But meals my brother had uh some really good uh hamburger meat the other day for uh, a barbecue. Hi wow. guys!
0: Thanks for uh, being so loud I out there, summer. For a bit. Is your oh, movie thank over? you. We're recording, sweetie. <laughs>
1: don't be too loud. Oh
0: my okay. goodness! Nerds. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Sorry but about um,
1: that. I was like, oh yeah, when Cody had that wagyu beef or oh, something. Yeah. And so wagyu. And they, how do you say it?
0: Or, I don't know. Wagyu, wagyu. Wagyu. I don't know. Probably, however, I don't say
1: it <laughs> is how I say it, but um, they had that at Sam's Club, so mm.
0: yeah. Got gotcha, you some wagyu. So now I'm gonna. It was just a little bit more, huh? It was ground beef?
1: It, it, okay. It was like a dollar more per oh, okay. pound. So I figured,
0: Yeah, you know, give you're it spending
1: 18 bucks anyways <laughs> for three pounds yeah, of beef meat. Beef prices as well are high. Or meat prices in general. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well. So,
1: the struggle is real out there.
0: I know. Thank you so much for just being willing to get roped in at the last minute. It's fun to have somebody at least to bounce ideas off or to to have yeah. some back and forth. Yeah. You know, yeah. So thank you for coming I on. I should
1: have said that that's a really bad idea. I, <laughs> I next time I'm gonna do that, just like out of nowhere, yeah, just be like, yeah, yeah. Justin, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> just to see what you say. Darn it. <laughs> you no, I'd feel a bad if I did that and I, yeah, yeah,
0: you're not oh. one for pranks, are you? I really don't like no, the prank. No. Not, a prank. I'm not I'm not a fan person. of the prank. <laughs> No. Yeah, I wish I was that good. I'm a. I love pranks. I love a good prank. I don't. Yeah.
1: And I don't like watching people fall on videos either. Or like when they get hurt. That's one of my greatest Mm -hmm. joys.
0: (laughs) As long as they're not too hurt. Oh. As long as they can get up.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, that's tangent. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. We'll carry on with your week. (laughs) All right.
0: Hopefully, Chuck is out of this work hole. Like, ah, they're just killing him out there. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's man. he's just doing it, you know.
1: I, f- I feel for what him. I mean, my work right now is going into the time where yeah, I've worked eight hours. Over oh 10 yeah, this you've week, been working, and a I'm planning lot on too. working again Friday, extra hours. And...
0: <sighs> You're going oh, in God. for a little surgery, so you got to yeah, build up your. Yeah, I'm gonna comp get
1: powers. my. What is it called? Your septum. My deviated septum, undeviated.
0: <laughs> you so won't be a deviant anymore.
1: I'll be non-deviant.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll be that's good.
1: Lacking of deviation, <laughs> <laughs> and Justin I will, will have get a more care, restful put sleep. up my nose, yeah, because uh, yeah. I won't snore like a <laughs> wildebeest.
0: Poor uh, wildebeest, would they ever do I to know. anybody? Well, they look pretty funny. So. No, they're cool. Anyway, anyways, anyways, anyhow. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to uh, Eric and Owen, and the yeah, NPR Group. Guys. What a great group. Check them out. Listen to listen to their latest episode. Well, might not be their latest when you hear this, but listen to the episode with William Philippeck. What a cool guy!
1: Give it a listen.
0: Yeah, it looks like uh, there's a lot of good content out there. Oh yeah, I've can we say something, something about movies? Yeah. Oh yeah, we saw Go the new, see Nope. It was really we saw good. The new mo- nope. Our it, kids didn't like our it. Kids didn't like it. it they all. were kind of funny. It wasn't what it. we thought. No. The
1: acting was. The acting amazing. was great. Yeah, amazing. it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it was beautifully shot. Yeah. You know, it, it's a fun idea. It's hard when it's not what you want it to be, but it was yeah, still good. what you're
0: expecting. But, yeah. And it wasn't that scary. I didn't think it was too terribly no, scary, but it was. I wanted it to be a lot more yeah, scary. Yeah. But it was a fun movie. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. So. Yep. Yeah. At Least the old folks like the, the nope. old folks
1: were The younger
0: kids were like, "That nah, was dumb. That wasn't scary.
1: That wasn't scary at all."
0: I think they wanted to be scared more yeah, than anything.
1: They so. did. They craved let's go that. let It's been a while since there's been a good scary movie.
0: Yeah, let's scare them with the cost of house prices. <laughs> Whoa! You'll never be able to afford a house. <laughs> and you lived in your <laughs> and you parents' lived in our basement. basement. Whoa. All right. Well. Okay. Thank you. So now. You're, are you representing Chuck or is that just too big of a shoes to fill? Because you gotta do I come up to with do? a cool, a clever outro. An outro. You know, yeah, like you're just you have the last word and you say some clever thing about how we're out or you know like those kind of things. Like, mm-hmm. Reptile Fight Club is, I think last time he had me say like Reptile Fight Club is, ground Chuck or ground Chucked, Chuck grounded. I can't remember. What does that mean? I, yeah, I was not, I, I didn't I like deliver. I to say, it well. like, like, okay. But that's Eric's favorite part, so.
1: There's an old show called oh, Reality Bites. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> when, when they do that fake, um, like VH1 or oh, like, yeah, yeah. like MTV thing, and uh, it's
0: like. The real world. I'm
1: out of 5,000. Like that one, remember? Yeah. Is that your. <laughs> I'm out of 5,000, babe.
0: No. Is that your outro? <laughs> no, oh, dude, okay. it's a pressure. man. you have man. a better. I know. I should have warned uh, you about this. You don't have to, because, I mean, Chuck's the king. I mean, that's like yes. Eric's favorite part of our podcast. I'm not going to try to be Chuck, so. but. <laughs> all right. Well, so you get a few seconds. I'll say check out Morelli Python Radio, uh, their website, all their socials, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll have another episode of Reptile Fight Club for you next year. I, next week. I think we're bringing on like some guests. Year? So, yeah, oh. we've got some guests coming on, so. Yeah, that'll be fun.
1: And the chuckles just keep on coming. There you go. Is that a good
0: one? Oh, that's a good one. Was that your outro?
1: That was my outro. Well,
0: You're supposed to wait until I say thank you for listening to Reptile Fight Club. We'll catch you next week.
1: When the chuckles will just keep on coming. Fight Club.